Now, before we get into it, I want to share this powerful nugget. One of the things that is the biggest trick of the enemy is he makes us believe we are alone. And the reality is this, until we start lifting our voices and beginning to share our experiences, so many people will continue to be vexed by that perspective. What I love about our story today is that Dina started to lift her voice and she has brought attention to things that women are dealing with that we sometimes sweep under the rug. Part of lifting our voices is to help others understand that we are not alone in our experiences and that help is truly available. And so here's the thing I want you to know, whatever it is that you're going through, you are not alone. Please seek the help that you need to help you navigate and find a way to get through it. Now let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hey there, it's Denise Taylor. You know, I'm always excited to have you join me each and every week right here on Embrace Your Power. Now, this is the place where you can count on me to always encourage you to build a life that you love. Around these parts, we believe that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us power. And when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. Now, I want you to know, I consider it an honor to be connected with you week after week. You tuning in with me means that you're on the right path to building a life that you love. You are truly embracing your power. Now, whether you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or maybe you're even watching me on YouTube, I want you to know that I am cheering you on. I want you to experience your best life. I want you to build the life that you love so that you don't have any regrets. Now, this week's episode is particularly special, especially as we're going into Father's Day. I want to do a shout out to the single moms who are making it happen. Oftentimes we enter into relationships and we have really big dreams of how they're going to work out for us. But even when they don't, we rise up strong for our children. We rise up strong for our families and we continue to make it happen. But here's the reality. I grew up in a single parent home. My mom was the epitome of a make it happen mom. In fact, she had that mantra, don't say can't to Barbara Van Zandt. But here's what I know. It was not easy for her. That journey of raising her children alone was not an easy journey. And that is one of the reasons why 
I want to highlight in this season, the moms who are in there making it happen for their kids. My guest today is Dina Michelle. She is coming to the table with her voice to be a champion for moms, single moms, all moms who are out there doing the thing. The reality is we put on many capes. We take on many roles and we muster through a lot of responsibilities. But here's the thing I know. It's never as easy as we make it look. And when I had the chance to help Dina develop her podcast that is centered around helping to elevate experiences for moms and be lifelines for them with encouragement and guidance, I knew she was going to something that was necessary and fantastic. There are so many single parent homes where women are at the ham trying to make it happen for their kids. And so I wanted to highlight, even in this Father's Day season, how women are truly embracing their power and showing up as mom. I want to encourage you. So let me tell you a little bit about Dina Michelle. Now she's an instructor by trade, but she has such a heart and desire. In fact, it's a passion to help children and moms. And she's had that since she was a little girl. She quickly realized that God has something bigger for her in this space. And she has continued to elevate herself in so many incredible ways of serving families, children, and moms over the years. Now she has taken on the podcaster role. And this has served as an extension to what she does. Her goal is to touch, shape, and help others and inspire them to achieve and have family success. Now, one of the things that I enjoy about Dina is she is so invested in the experience, not just by trade, but she walks in the shoes of being a single mom of four who is making it happen for her kids and navigating all of the relationships and responsibilities that are involved. Our discussion today is going to encourage you, especially if you are a mom making it happen on your own. And I want to say to you that I appreciate you. Your family loves you and encourage you to keep embracing your power to be successful as a mom. Now, let's take a listen and learn some great nuggets from Dina. So I am so excited to have Dina joining me today. Dina has a heart for mom. She's a mom of four. And so um, when she decided to raise her voice to help moms who may be struggling with raising their children, I thought that that was a very powerful move. Being a mom of four means you're busy. You got a lot going on. And if you know Dina, like I know Dina, she wears many hats. She has a lot going on outside of just being a mom. And so when she said that she wanted to serve in this space and really help other moms grow in confidence in how they are being there for their children and even taking care of themselves, I thought that that was incredibly powerful. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how you're serving and helping other moms uh, really embrace their power. So before we jump in, tell us a little bit more about you and welcome to Embrace Your Power. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am super excited to help moms. The biggest aspect for me was 
growing up, I always worked with kids. So 13 years old, I started babysitter clubs. I was working with kids, pretty much helping moms who wanted to get out on a Saturday night, had no one to watch their kids, but they wanted to relax and have fun. So I began to watch kids. And then my mother also worked with this um, housing cooperative thing. So they would have this meeting on Saturday mornings. And so again, these women had no place for their kids to go while they were trying to be a part of the community. So I watched their kids as well for this cooperative thing. So then I realized as growing up and becoming a mom that, oh, now I'm that mom who needs somebody to help me with my children. So then it became something that just poured into me to want to be able to help moms and especially moms who have more kids than one or two because one or two is kind of easily to juggle but when you have that third and that fourth kid it begins to be hard because they have their own personalities they have their own schedules their own things that they want to do and it's kind of hard to juggle it they they are more expensive because you have more they have taking a toll on you, which you're going to require self-care. And then it becomes, again, those different personalities. So one kid may be very quiet and you need how to use and help them. Then you also have those who are those little boisterous ones and you need to have to tone them in, but at the same time, allow them to have their voice. And then you have those who are into everything and you have to then figure out how to help them get into everything, but the right way. So you don't want to take away any of their personalities. However, you want to be able to help them to make that personality fit into the world, but also them be different and not, they can stand out at the same time. So then I began to have a lot of moms draw into me. So God had moms coming into my life like, Dina, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? I don't want you to do what I did because your children are different than my children and I'm different than you. What do you like doing? What do your children like doing? Let's help you figure out what you can do what's best for your family. So again, a lot of things that I did to help other moms then turned around to allow me to branch off into different platforms to help moms as well. So Um, That's where I got my podcast idea from. I wanted to be able to use my voice. So then I began to become a trainer, become a workshop um, presenter. So I began to put on workshops and I began to put on trainings to help moms, which also then included childcare providers, because a lot of childcare providers were the moms. Like a lot of people who worked in childcare and daycare were those moms who had those multiple kids because they can go work at a daycare and get that childcare discount to help them so that their children can be in a daycare. You know, for as long as I've known you, and I've known you for a number of years now, you have had a heart for serving in this space. I think the thing that I just learned is that it started really young for you, Um, your desire to uh, help moms and be around moms and be drawn into this space. And for me, that just reminds me that People who are oftentimes looking for purpose, they don't recognize that it's very likely something that has been with them all the time. And I think you understanding that and accepting that and embracing that has allowed you to flourish in this space in so many different roles um, and in so many different ways. Um, You've always had a heart for children. You've always had a heart for moms. You you gravitate to that. Um, It's so crazy to even think that you have four kids because you look like you're 12, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I know that you're much older than that now and and, um, have had a lot of life experiences. But I think the one thing that we can take from this is that 
sometimes we're looking for purpose to be more than what it simply has always been. And I am so glad that you have embraced that and are continuing to grow in that because when we talk about moms, this is absolutely a space where we need that type of help. Now, I was going through and checking out your podcast and do me a a favor real quick. Tell everybody the name of your podcast. It's Letters to the Imperfectly Perfect Mom. So I was going through and looking at the topics that you cover, and I think your approach to it is pretty um, unique. You are speaking to each of the moms in a certain context with each conversation. So um, when when a mom is struggling in a space, it's real easy for them to go to your podcast and figure out which episode is going to help them by how you have named the episodes. And so for this discussion, I was like, well, let's just unpack what you put together. And I know some of your podcasts have been just you and some have been with guests, but let's just kind of unpack some of the storylines or some of the helplines, lifelines, if I could say it that way, that you have put together. And so one of the letters was to a child punishing mom. So let's unpack that. Tell me a little bit about that mom, how you relate and what things should a child punishing mom keep in mind? So that episode stemmed from my oldest, who's now 17. But when he was five years old, I was going through a divorce from his dad. And he was my kid who got into everything, like from throwing desks at school, almost fighting the teacher. Like he took all his anger and his frustrating out physically. So it was a lot of things to where people would be like, you need to whoop him. You need to spank him. You need to like put him on punishment. You need to do all this. And for a little bit, I wanted to do that because like I I had two other small kids. So he was five. My other son was four. And then my daughter was two. And so I had a lot of little kids and it was like very frustrating for me to figure out what to do with him. So it, it began to be me wanting to punish him and make like whoop him and do all that. But I'm like, he's angry. And me whooping him, it was going only going to bring more anger to him. So then I had to research, especially being a teacher. Head Start teacher having these three-year-olds, I had three-year-olds at my job that did the exact same thing and I couldn't whip them. I couldn't punish them. I had to figure out other ways to help them. But here it is, my child who I love way more than any of those children in that classroom and I wanted to punish him and I wanted to whoop him and I wanted to make him feel just like I felt. And so I felt like that was completely unfair and completely unwanted of me as a mom. So then I began to come up with strategies and ways to help me to figure out a good way to help him. Mm -hmm. And so I then began to take on some other things more like guidance. So, okay, you know, talking to him was the big main step. Like there is a reason why you're doing this and I need to figure out that reason. And if you don't want to talk to me, maybe I need to find someone else for you to talk to so we can figure out the reason and why you're behaving the way that you're behaving. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it was just he was just oppositional. So I found that out kind of early. He just wanted to be oppositional just so he can get the attention. And so then I began to give him options. So if you want to be oppositional, now you have a choice between things that I want 
you to choose. So, okay, here, you, you want to go outside? It's nine o'clock at night. It's time for us to go to bed. So you can either read a story before we go to bed, or you can watch a small video before we go to bed. But you're going to watch one of these. And then the, uh, the thing I want you to do is to go to bed. So in this episode, it talked about helping moms to be able to go through those things, to give you other strategies besides um, punishing your kids, taking things from them, besides whooping them. There are other things out there to help you to get your kid who you feel like is out of control, a little bit more under control and doing things that they want to do, but within the guidance of where you want them to be. So in that episode, it kind of helped those moms who are struggling with punishing their children to kind of find other ways of guiding them because apparently punishing them is not working. If you're still frustrated, you're still angry. They're still frustrated. They're still angry. It's not working. So in that episode, it kind of gives us guidance on things that we can do to help us to be able to um, hone in on our kids, figure out what they need, listen to our kids. Because most of the time when they're doing that, they're crying for help and they want help in some type of area. That's good. That's really, really good. And so I I love how you were able to key in on those needs, because I can tell you, um, I have tried some of those discipline strategies, and you're right, they usually just end up with more frustration and more um, upsetness, and it doesn't solve whatever is the real issue. And so I love that in that episode, you're sharing with uh, moms how to be able to think through things differently when it comes to needing to give some type of discipline or punishment to children. So the next episode that I kind of peeked into was the traumatized mom. And you had a letter to the traumatized mom. So tell me a little bit about her and how you relate and what key things should she keep in mind? So with the traumatized episode, um, I partner with um, Lakita Watts, who is a birth worker, and she um, created a course for trauma-informed care birth workers, and she's also working on one for trauma-informed community workers, so anyone who works in the community. So I partner with her to help her because, again, birth work includes being a mom. So I included her in that episode, and she kind of helped us to go through some traumatized things. The reason I chose that episode was because COVID. Um, COVID increased a whole lot of trauma in me that I really didn't know I was still having. Um, I lost my sister in 2016 to a domestic violence relationship. And a lot of times the trauma in that became because she was not my biological sister. She was a foster child of my grandmother. So it was even more so where she was supposed to be like my aunt. But because I was older, she didn't want to be my aunt. So she wanted me to be like the big sister. So I took on the role of being the big sister. And so a lot of people would tell me, oh, she's not your sister. She's not your sister. She's not your sister. And then with my children, they all, it's a very huge blended family because their dad have other children. He was dating someone who had other children. I got remarried, had other children, and we always had people who are in our house. So our house was very blended in the fact that there were more people who were just in our biological family always in the home with us. And so I didn't want them, my trauma of people telling them, oh, that's not your sister. That's not your sister. That's not this. That was going on to my children. So I was realizing that my trauma that I was holding on to was affecting my children. 
And so she got on the episode and talked about it, that there's an actual term for that, um, where your trauma goes on to your kid. It's multi-generational trauma. So where our trauma is going on to our children. And so she talked about how our trauma can affect our children and not only our trauma, but even though they're children, they have trauma of their own, especially now that COVID was happening. A lot of everyone was experiencing trauma. So she gave us some signs to look for for trauma, some strategies and some tips to help us if and before we feel like it gets to that trauma, because there are areas before it becomes trauma. And so looking for those signs and getting some help for those signs. And then she also talked about, again, what it is and the effects of it to when you're pregnant that your baby can feel your trauma as you're pregnant. So trying to do those self-care techniques while you're pregnant and even, you know, when your children are here, that it, it affects them even as you're pregnant. That's awesome. And I think you're right. Um, there are so many things that are triggering for us, right? So many experiences that get triggered. And what you recognized in that moment is your own experience was coming to life before your eyes with your children and then trying to say, what do I need to do about this? How do I need to change and how do I need to deal with my own stuff so that I can try to protect and help my kids not go all the way down the rabbit trail that I felt when I was hearing those uh, penetrating words of she's not your sister. And in that blended family context, that has to come up a lot, you know, where those kind of taunts or those kind of words are being said and you as a parent or a parenting team are trying to snuff all that out and create a bond with your children across all these different perspectives and dynamics. But the outside world, unfortunately, comes in and makes those threatening words um just penetrate and almost bully the children in a way that helps them uh, just feed into differences rather than connection. And so I love that you have um, help out there for moms who are feeling traumatized in that way. Now, the next episode was co-parenting mom. And so tell me a little bit about how you can relate to that and what things should she keep in mind? So for this one, uh, I'm divorced twice. So I have two ex-husbands. So I am co-parenting with two different um, fathers. So one of the fathers, we only really just what's best for the children. And that's kind of the conversation we have. So it's nothing really about the children. We really don't have anything really to say or um, converse about. But then the one, the newest one, me and him are new to this. So we have been trying to make co-parenting a little bit more freely and figuring it out. But he also is a divorce before me as well. So he's co-parenting with now two parents as well. And so he was learning it and grasping it. So I brought on my ex-husband, Jerron Triggs, to be the guest on this show. And so in this show, he talked about it from a dad's perspective of co-parenting, because a lot of us moms feel like, oh, once we're divorced or once we're not with the dad, I'm a single mom and that's it. And I need to take on taking care of my kid without any help. You have no say so. You can't do anything. You know, this is my baby. You left me. This is my baby. So in this episode, we try to dive into letting moms know that, you know, if the father is in their life, allow them to be into the life as long as it's safe for the child. So in this episode, we, we talked a lot about what's in the best interest of the child. So making sure that that stays in the focus of when you're co-parenting. And so then it also talked about where we have parallel 
co-parenting, which is where you work side by side and everything is together. So we making all these decisions and everything together. We're going to work side by side to make sure that we have what's best for our children. Um, but then when you live like me and him, where we're in two different states, we can't really have that co-parallel part parenting because, you know, you're far away. I'm here. So a lot of times I'm going to have to make quick decisions and sometimes not have to put you in it. But as that being that co-parenting, I do need to let you know, here's something that I chose to do. Here's something that I've done. And so we talk about that. And then he also brings in some of the things that he does now with his ex-wife, because now they're also in the same state now. So they're able to do it a little bit more and they have a teenager and we have a six-year-old. So then we spend time talking about that to where now you're co-parenting a teenager who can make decisions now for themselves. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Do you allow the teenager to make that choice for themselves or do you guys still have to go in and dive in to make the decision of who he's spending time with? Where is this? He wants to get his nose pierced. Who makes that decision because he's not over 18? He's still a teenager. Do you guys make that decision together or do one of you just go and, you know, get his nose pierced because that's his choice and what he's choosing, but then having that conversation. And the key thing that he talked about a lot, and I appreciate that, is if you're unable to communicate verbally because you guys are always getting into it or don't have that agreement um, sending it via a text, if that's the appropriate way to communicate, sending in a letter, if that's a good way to communicate an email or bringing in a mediator, if it gets to that point. So I do appreciate it. That was one of the things that he had to say that as he was raising his son before me, that that was ways that they had to communicate to make sure that they were co-parenting for the best ability for their son, which me and him, we have a better relationship where we can communicate. So ours are phone conversations and we can sit there and have that conversation. But he said there was times when it was unhard, it was very hard for him to communicate with the other mom and they did have to send emails. They did have to send letters and communicate via text and via mediator. But he wanted to make sure that he was able to keep doing that. And so it was very key for him to say to mom, you know, allow the dad to be able a part of the communication and get that in there because it's still their son as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Um, And I think it speaks volumes to how you have been able to mature your own perspective and be available in ways that you probably didn't imagine because relationships don't necessarily always work out, but the child is the priority of it all. And so it's very, very important to make sure that there's opportunity for the children to have a sense of that priority from both parents, regardless of where the relationship lies between the two of you. And I love those nuggets of how are we going to make this work, even if we can't seem to get along uh, live and in person. So I think that that uh, speaks very, very much to the maturity that you're able to bring to this relationship. And I love that you gave strategies or tips around what to do if you find yourself not able to have that with um, the person you're co-parenting with. The next episode was around mom and business, the mompreneur. Um, How do you relate to that? And what key things should she keep in mind? So I relate to this one because um, pretty much like I've said, since I was 13, I have always been in some aspect of owning a business, having a business or working in that business space. And if I didn't have a business, I was helping my grandmother with her business. So I still was dabbling in the business industry. So I can only remember maybe two years since I've been 13 that I did not 
work in any capacity of me owning my own business or having my own business. So this was something that pretty much was near and dear to me. Um, being a mom and trying to have a business, I also a lot of times had a job or I would have multiple business running at the same time. So a lot of times for me, balancing being a mom, having a business and being a wife and being all these other things would be one of the things that would cause me to struggle because my mom guilt would kick in very fast. Like I need to be here for my children. And so I partnered with Maria Vincent, who is a mom business coach. So she is that entrepreneur coach. Um, she has her business that helps her to help other moms to um, grow, start up their business, get capital for their business. And she's also a mom of four as well. So she was able to come on and give me and other people tips and strategies to help us to um, be able to work between a mom and kind of dealing with that mom guilt. What are some things that we can do when we have that mom guilt coming on, which was something as easy as, you know, you're a business owner. You can schedule time from away from your business to actually be that mom. And so that guilt is not there. So kind of scheduling the end. So something as simple as just organizing and time management and making sure that we have that. So some, that was something that was key to me that I've learned even in that episode and even being this entrepreneur and being a mom pretty much since 23 years old, where it was something as simple as, you know, you can schedule the end. That's so good because a lot of that happens to anybody with the mom guilt, right? Um, you get you could just be working a regular nine to five or nine to six, nine to seven, <laughs> nine to eight, depending on what your what your job is, and feel mom guilt. You can also feel it from just the different demands. I know there's a lot of people who volunteer. There's a lot of people who make commitments otherwise, and so I love that you guys have uh, talked through some strategies on how to take care of ourselves in that sense and still be present for our family. Now, the, the most recent episode that I checked out was with the struggling teen mom. And tell me, um, you know, how you can relate. Tell me a little bit about the story and what key things should she keep in mind? And so this one was not as much related to, to me. Mm-hmm. It was more so related to Maria, who was the guest on the previous one. So inside that episode, she talked about how her daughter was struggling with mental health issues as she was being a mom to where at points in her life, she was not scheduling in her children. Mm-hmm. And so therefore her daughter had struggled and was crying out for help. Mm-hmm. And she said, because she was so busy working and being an entrepreneur that for a moment there, her being a mom kind of was taking a, a step back. Mm-hmm. And so therefore when her daughter was going through some struggles and some issues, it had, it was an eye opening experience for her. Mm-hmm. So then I asked if she can have one of her teen daughters who are going through this experience to come on. So we also had her daughter, Imani Walls, as a guest on here. And so she talked about as she was growing up and she was struggling and doing this. And the key thing from that one, which made me cry, because again, I do know them as a family, but this was one of the things that I didn't even notice inside of that. But inside of that, she was struggling with thinking that her mom was perfect. Mm-hmm. And her mom had it all together because all she seen was her mom having these businesses, being successful in these businesses, being able to juggle between her and her siblings and being a wife and having all these roles. And she's never seen her mother cry. She never seen her mother struggle. She never seen her mother do any of these real life things that she was going through. So she felt like she had to keep up being perfect 
because that's what she saw her mom doing. And so when it came to a point where she didn't feel like she was perfect, she wanted to kill herself. She was attempting to kill herself. She was cutting herself. She was doing all of these things to help her to feel some type of way because she felt nothing because she felt like if I wasn't perfect, I wasn't nothing. So a key message that she helped me to realize and hopefully all the other moms will go on and listen to the show is we need to pay attention because there are always signs of it. And then even with that, the key was let your children see that you are not perfect. Let them see that. Tell them the stories that even if right now you may have it somewhat all together, but when you were a teen, let them know that you struggle where your grades were not always all A's. Let them know that you struggle with, oh, I'm not cute enough. I'm I'm not this. And so, you know, her biggest thing was her body image. And, you know, her mom growing up had a nice body. I, I told her, I was like, well, I didn't have a nice body either. So I'm like, I was with you on that to where I had to struggle with that. And I said, and but the difference between that is my mom and my grandmother and my grandfather. I had people who told me, you know, when you get older, no one's going to care about what you look like in that aspect and you know even though in my mind I'm like whatever 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 it wasn't until I got older that I realized that and that stuck in my head when you get older nobody's gonna care when you get older nobody's gonna care so in that she was giving us all those strategies that she has as a mom now that she had to learn in hindsight so that way we can figure those out before we get there so I have a 14 year old daughter now and so I I had to have that conversation with her. And she talked about getting into therapy before you even need therapy. Like if something is coming up and it's something that needs to be exposed or talked about getting into therapy sessions now. So it had me asking my 14 year old daughter, like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Like now is that time I'm here for you. And if you don't want to talk to me, we can find you someone who you can talk to. I let her know I wasn't perfect. Like my daughter is opposite of me. She's very thick and, you know, has a body. And so hers is she thinks that she's fat because mom is not fat. And I had to tell her where I was the opposite. When I was 14, I wish I looked like you. So I was like, so, you know, we all have our wish and I want. So if body is something that you want to discuss or talk about, we can talk about it. We can discuss it. Or if you want to have it, the conversation with somebody else, you can have it. So after that episode, it made me go and talk to my daughter and even my my boys, like talking to them as well to see if they needed help as well, but more so, especially with my daughter, because she was my one who's withdrawing, staying in her room and not doing nothing. And that was one of the key warning signs that was coming up. And so she's my one who's withdrawing and not seeing anything and sticking to her own, doesn't have a lot of friends, small circle. So she was the one who I kind of went to to see if she was the one who needed it, because that was one of those warning signs that Maria and Imani talked about. Yeah, um, just very powerful and, and so transparent what they had to share with what their family was struggling with and, and ways that she had to lean into, um, you know, not just allowing the withdrawal to your point um, to just be the overriding perspective, but say, how do I lean into this and allow them to know the reality is this um, we as moms, we struggle, but we create this image in the eyes of our children. And it's not something we intentionally do, but they see us make it happen. So in their mind, they don't know that you're trying to figure out how to negotiate between all of these things and that you're juggling to try to make it work for them. You know, it reminds me of when my daughter wanted to play um, club volleyball and we just didn't have the resources. Now, all she knows 
is that mom made it happen, right? You know, that her parents came through and made it happen for her. But what she doesn't realize is that I had to go get raffle tickets and create a 50-50 raffle and sell raffle tickets to try to raise money, you know, and try to, you know, get family members sending tickets all over the country so family members could sell them where they were. All she knows is she got to play club boss. So you're right. In the sense that we don't really bring them into the experience, all they know is, wow, I asked for something and it seems like I get it. But the reality is we're like little ducks churning along, trying to figure out how to make it happen for them and helping them to know more of the experience is uh, what will be enlightening so that they don't think we're perfect or that we have it all together, but that we are just really navigating this thing and trying to figure it out. And so being willing to bring them into that process as appropriate, right? You wouldn't necessarily stress your six-year-old with that, but if you got a 14, 15-year-old, there are concepts that they can begin to understand. And so I think that that perspective is very, very wise. Um, The one episode that I want to make sure we anchor in on is the stressed out mom, right? You know, when we start talking about motherhood, especially single motherhood, especially the seat that you sit in, there's a perspective of being stressed out with everything that we have to juggle. So do me a favor and talk a little bit how about how you relate to the stressed out mom and what key things should she keep in mind? So, okay, I'm gonna try not to cry on this one. So the stressed out mom, Um, last year around this time, but starting earlier in February. So in February, I lost my grandmother and she was my person before that she had Alzheimer's. So at the same time, I lost my sister to domestic violence relationship. My grandmother was diagnosed with dementia. I struggled with being out of state while my sister um, was murdered and gone. So I was dealing with that alone. We didn't have a large support system there. My grandmother having dementia and so it began to be hard for me. And so I wanted to move back so that way I can be back here to at least be near my grandma. So when I wanted to see her, I can see her regardless if she called me my mother, regardless if she called me Dina, regardless if she didn't even know who I was. I knew who she was. I wanted to have my moment with my grandmother. So if she was talking about this food and that's the only thing she was talking about during that day, I wanted to have that experience. So it began to add stress and pressure onto me that I couldn't be near her and I would have to travel from Georgia to Milwaukee just to visit my grandmother because those when those resources I have to between spending it on my children and they wanted to play AAU basketball and going to visit my grandmother. So that then began to be a really, really struggle for me. And so then my husband moved his parents in because they just wanted to come and live in Georgia. So then they moved in and then that began to stress me out because they had income coming in, but we were now using our resources to take care of them. So that then began to add another toll onto stressing me out. Then I also then at that time decided to allow my three older children to go and stay with their father. He was well off. He had the money. So again, what's in the best interest of my children? So then that added stress onto me as the mom who normally always had my children now not having. So I'm like, okay, my stress is now on the verge of becoming depression. I'm like, okay, now I need to realize what is now bothering me and helping me. And I need to figure out how to get some stress off of me. We began to go through our divorce process. So we filed our divorce papers. 
I was in Wisconsin as this process was happening because my family is what helps me and my support system. So to take some stress off of me, I came back to Milwaukee. So I worked from home. I wasn't living here at the time. I just worked from home. So I came and worked from Milwaukee, had the children with me because the other dad got COVID really, really bad and was really, really sick. So now I had all of my children with me, which took the stress off of me of not having them. I was by my family. So that took some stress off of me. So I thought, and then I had to go back to go back to work. So I go back 4th of July weekend and I pass out. And so I'm like, oh my God, like I took stress off me. Like I was in a place where I was loved and where I wanted to be like, you know, why am I passing out? They took all these x-rays, did all these tests and they can find nothing physically wrong with me. And so the only thing they can think of was either dehydration or stress. However, electrolytes and everything were okay. They weren't great, but they were okay. Not enough to cause me to pass out. And so researching, because I had to figure it out, because this was something that I've never experienced. No moms around me ever experienced. So this is something I had to research. And I realized that the stress took such a toll because I held it for so long physically on my body. And so it was causing me not to be able to take in the nutrients and the things that I was doing, holding it in. So Stress then began to physically make me sick. And so I had to research it. So in that episode, it was me talking about that experience as well as some things that I now have to do to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I think it is just um, commendable that you recognized your own needs in that season and was willing to make the shifts and adjustments that was able to get you to a place where you could then springboard into a healthy state and uh, continue to flourish with your family. And so I commend you for that. Now, as we're approaching Father's Day, as a single mom, what key messages are important for dads to understand to best help moms? Keeping your word and your commitment. So if you say on Father's Day, I'm going to get you know, the kids, then get them. If you say next week, Tuesday, I'm gonna get the kids from school, getting the kids from school. So regardless if it's Father's Day, any day, because I feel like Mother's Day and Father's Day should be every day. Um, Just making sure that you're keeping your word and your commitment, because that mom most likely is dependent upon having that time to take care of herself. So that way she has less stress in what she's doing um, with that. So making sure that it you're saying it, you're going to get them for Father's Day because it's Father's Day, keeping that commitment. So whether you just tell her, I'm just going to get them for an hour and we're going to go out to eat, making sure that you keep that commitment on that that day. Um, and part of this on my next episode, I'm going to actually have my brother who is to me a great father and who is one of the men who step up for me, for my boys, because I'm a, I'm a woman. And I can't be a dad to my boys. I can't be that male figure to my boys. I can't be that male figure to my daughter. So I have other men around me in my life to step up to help me with them. And so I'm going to have my brother who's going to come on there and kind of give us more advice. Because again, I'm I'm not a dad. I'm not a male. And to get their perspective. So we're going to kind of bounce off of each other and kind of help him to know like, hey, I'm a mom, what do you want for me to help you as a dad? And then what questions do you have to ask a mom to help um, navigate that relationship and get that through? So I'm actually excited for that episode to come out and so we can go over some of those things as well. That's awesome. So before we take the break, I want you to answer this question and then we'll come back and chat a little bit more. How critical was forgiveness in the journey? 
that you've been on and who did you need to forgive? So the, I'll start with the hardest, the hardest, and I'm still working on is forgiving myself. So that was probably my hardest thing because I felt like I was never good enough. I felt like I was never perfect. And so I, it was hard for me to forgive me. It was hard for me to forgive me for not drinking and passing out because in my mind, that could have been the end and my kids would have now not had me. So I had to forgive myself for not taking care of me first. So I realized in this moment that I have to, like Maria was saying in that other episode, I have to start scheduling me in. So I now have to start scheduling me in and scheduling me in does not mean going to get my nails done because that's what I was doing when I passed out, trying to take care of me doing a self-care way, the way everybody told me to. So I had to forgive myself for not taking care of me and not putting me first. And so I'm still working on that forgiveness. But I tell myself every morning when I look into the mirror, you are worth it. You are more than that. You forgive you. And the only thing you can do is learn from this. So go drink your water, go eat you some food and go take you a nap if you need to go to bed early. Everything will be there later on. So, yes, so I had to forgive myself and then I had to forgive um, each one of my ex-husbands. And that was the next hardest step um, was forgiving them because I felt like you said your vows to me. You said it in front of God that you'll take care of me through no matter what, thick and thin, sickness and health, you know, to death do us part. And both of you failed me in that aspect. But then again, that's why it was harder for me to forgive me, because then I had to go back to me, like in those situations, what did I not do? What could I do differently the next time? Or if I don't want it to be a next time, and that could be it. So then that, again, had to take me back to forgiving myself. So everything took me back to forgiving me because I then self-reflected and had to forgive myself. Then the next thing was I also had to forgive the man who... um, killed my sister. And so that was the next hardest one was forgiving him because I felt like there was nothing that anybody could have done or said that can cause you to take their life away from them. So then I had to forgive the system for allowing cracks in between the systems that they created to supposedly protect us and they weren't really protecting us because she also had a restraining order out on him and he should not have been anywhere around her as well. Now, I know that you have been moved by the transparent conversation that Dina is having with us today. Her conversation of help and hope are reaching the moms that need to hear it. When you sit in that place and you feel so alone, having someone share their story, their testimony, and in addition to that, some tips on what you need to do to shift and move can mean all the difference in the world. And that is one of the reasons why I believe podcasts are up and coming as vehicles for us to reach people with the help that they need. I don't know about you, but every time I needed guidance and direction, I needed clarity. There has always been a voice that helps me navigate through that. There has always been a message that reaches me right on time that lets me know, first of all, I am not alone and that help is available. And that is one of the reasons why I get so jazzed about helping people lift their voice. There is someone waiting 
to hear your story, your message, your help to change their lives. Now, podcast prep is one of the ways that we partner with people who are being nudged to start a podcast. The program is designed to help people get out of the starting blocks, get past all of the hurdles and challenges to the point where they can plan record, edit, and post their podcast. And we had the chance to partner with Dina and make that happen for her. So if you sense that God is nudging you to lift your voice and you know that podcasting is something you want to start and you just need some help getting out of the gates, I would love the opportunity to help lift your voice. So reach out to me and let's make that thing happen in less than 30 days. Okay, now that we're back, I want to dive in a little bit more into your podcast experience. First, I want to say it is indeed a pleasure to have had the opportunity to help you launch your podcast. Um, When you reached out and you said you had the vision to do it and that you wanted to have messages around helping moms, I knew that your voice was necessary. And so um, I want to hear a little bit more about your podcast journey. So outline for us what that's been like for you. For a long time, everybody will tell me, you need to have a podcast. You need to have a podcast. Because again, I call myself writing this book and I feel like I'm not a strong writer. I just threw something out there because everybody was like, oh, your voice needs to be heard. And that was the only way I assumed people can hear my voice was either in a book or me training or doing something in front of people live. And so a lot of people would then tell me, oh, you know, you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast. And, you know, the way everybody put it out there for a podcast, you got to have a special kind of mic, you have to have a special kind of camera, you had to have a special kind of software, and you look up all this stuff, it costs thousands and thousands of dollars. So I was like, I don't want to spend all that money on something that I'm not going to have time to sit here and do because I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm this, I'm that. So it's like, I don't have time to sit here and actually spend all this time on all this stuff and equipment that I'm not going to do. So it wasn't until I was trying to finish up my master's and for part of my capstone, my professor said, because you're great, you're a trainer, you're this, you need to have a podcast. I can't throw it on you or force you to do it, but this will be a great way for you to help you with your capstone and also voice, get your voice out there to be heard with the great messages that you're doing. And so I was like, okay, I'll do a podcast. So then I ran across your podcast thing and I was like, okay. I really don't have the money. I don't have the resources. Again, I'll be taking resources from my family to pay for this thing. I'm so appreciative that I did and I made it happen. But yeah, so I then was like, okay, well, Denise, I need your help. Like my professor is saying this. Other people have said it to me. And when so many people who are not in the same circle have said something to me, I mean, that must mean God is saying, okay, you ain't listening to them. You ain't listening to them. I'm just going to complete stranger to tell you that this is what you do. And then the, the podcast prep things scrolled across my stuff. I'm like, okay, okay, confirmation got okay, I hear you. I'm gonna do it. So then I then turned around, reached out, and um did it. I'm excited that it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It wasn't as expensive as I thought it would be. I am helping people in a way that I've never thought that I would help people. So now people are not just in my area where I am are listening. I have people who are away listening people have now reached out to me so I've had two speaking engagements since my podcast has came out 
So it has really helped me to get my voice out there even further. I have probably reached out to another hundred people since then, just from one person listening to the podcast and brought me into their space to be able to share. It's incredible to me. And I don't think people really recognize, and I'm glad that you said that, a couple of things. It doesn't take a lot to start. And I'm a big advocate for let look, let's just use what you got. And you can, if you want to buy more stuff over time, you can do that. But even more critical for me is the person waiting to hear you. And I am so glad that you're starting to see that it is resonating with people outside of your circle and people that you don't know who are tuning in to your messages. And if we can stay fixed and focused on that, who is waiting to hear our stories, our messages, our help? Who is waiting for that lifeline? You'll keep showing up. It's not necessarily about how often. It's not necessarily about how perfect. It's about just sharing the stories and lifting the voices so that people can get the help that they need. And so I just honor you for that. Um, because a lot of people stray away from it because of assumptions. They think that you do have to have all of this, that you have to be in some perfected position. But no, you just need to turn on your camera and your mic and start talking. And I guarantee you, you will help someone. And so I'm so glad that God sent you confirmation after confirmation after confirmation until you got to the point of saying, okay, this must be for me and it's time for me to live my voice. When we talk about podcast prep, it's about, you know, really getting to the point where you can plan, you can record, you can edit, and then ultimately post your podcast. And for us, we are still a part of your journey. We're still helping you uh, get your episodes edited. We're still helping you to get things in place so that your message can go forward. And I appreciate the opportunity to continue to support you on your journey. So thank you so much for allowing podcast prep to be a part of your experience. And I just want to encourage you to continue to lift your voice. These topics that we talked about today, you as one mom could relate to all of them. Me as one mom could relate to all of them. We carry so many different roles. And within that, we have so many different experiences. And so the lifelines that you are putting out there are so critical. So please don't let up. And thank you again for allowing podcast prep to be a part of your podcast experience. Now, around these parts, we still believe that you can build a life that you love, um, that you could do that without making any type of apologies. I believe that you can live your best life. You can experience good love and that you can also experience happiness. So let's close out with my uh, podcast questions. The first one is this, what's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? To live it as if there is no tomorrow, plan for it as if there's forever and to continue to be unapologetically you. That's so good. You know, it it takes wisdom to get to that point. And wisdom comes from some tough experiences. And I appreciate you being so transparent with your experiences today, but you're spot on. We have to build a life that we love and uh, just honor those uh, that we love and miss 
um, by continuing to show up and live our best life. So thank you for that. What's your love wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? You can love many. You don't have to just love one. And when you think that you are in love, you are. Mm -hmm. Don't take that back because it's for that moment. Mm -hmm. God has everyone in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. So good. When you think that you are in love, you are. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. That's a good one. Because a lot of times we do question it, right? Um, But if it's raising as a question, then chances are it's a reality. And so I love that. What, What is your happiness wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could? You are happy. Continue to be happy. Don't allow anyone to take your happiness from you. And make sure that your happiness turns into joy. Awesome. Awesome. So how can listeners get connected with you? Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram as Dina Michelle, which is D-E-N-N-A. My mom, you know, had this little funny thing with her letters. She had to have five letters. So um, it's pronounced Dina. However, it's spelled like Dina. So D-E-N-N-A. Um, you can also go to my website again, which is dinamichelle.com. You can listen to the podcast, um, Letters to Imperfectly Perfect Mom, which is on um, all major platforms. If you want to go ahead and listen and information is on there as well. Awesome. Well, Dina, I love to say it and with you. I mean, it. success looks so good on you. And thank you for continuing to lift your voice and encourage moms. Thank you for having me on. And I just want to say thank you to Podcast Prep for allowing me to be able to express my voice to help those who I'm unable to reach physically. Awesome. I love that. Well, that's it. Beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you are truly blessed with life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold. Be relentless in building a life you love without apology. I'm Denise Taylor, and you can always find me in our free Facebook community. It's Embrace Your Power easy to find. Now be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend and make sure you subscribe so that we can stay connected each week. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us power. So be sure to always embrace your power and go.